0: Expanded Universe Special Edition Two: The Sweet Life of Zack and Tash. The Book: Galaxy of Fear, Eaten Alive. The Author: John Whitman. The Year: 1997. With your famously dumb hosts, Jeff and John. Let's go. <laughs> Hi everybody, welcome back to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars Novel Discussion Podcast, or more recently, the Star Wars Children's Literature uh, Novel Discussion Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff, joined as always by your host, John. How are you, buddy?
1: Oh, I'm alright. You could say it's more of a novella.
0: I guess. I mean, it's the beginning of a series. What it really is, is a chilling tale of horror.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Before we get into this, did you ever get into, like, the Goosebumps or any of the, like, kids horror stuff?
0: Kids horror, no. I got into some, like, conspiracy theory grade, what if ghosts were real type horror a little bit in high school. Like, books about... What do you mean, what if? Uh, (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I I got a bunch of books about, like, the haunted history of aviation and shit like that, where it'd be like... Oh, you know, what if ghosts were were helping the Nazis or or that but it was all like supposed to be based on real accounts and they they the kind of shit you'd listen to on Art Bell in the middle of the night on a long drive.
1: Are you telling me that as a kid you would read books about ghosts?
0: No, as a teenager I would, but yes, as a kid, uh I would I would read anything anyone put in front of me, including books about ghosts. And yes, I did devour a lot of street marshmallows.
1: <laughs> Your teenage years where you began to morph slowly into me.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean in the beginning it was all street marshmallows, which is a regular marshmallow with like mayonnaise and uh lime and, and chili powder all over it. Uh, I
1: see where you were going with that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's you know, it's a low but marshmallow. Uh which would be disgusting. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I mean, I love elotes, but the problem I always have with that is I'm not a big fan of mayonnaise, which seems to have become the American crema replacement, mm. which which converts the whole thing from a delicious spicy corn unit into a glued up dildo. And I'm I'm not I, I can't I can't I don't want that.
1: <laughs> oh, spicy corn unit!
0: Spicy corn unit is rad. <laughs> He's one of the best kids of uh, of <laughs> Zappa. Oh, so, man. so no, I did not read any Goosebumps books as a kid. Uh, I, when I was a little kid, my serial reading hot habit beyond the Star Wars novels uh, was, but they were the adult ones. Uh, was the Hardy Boys? I read every single Hardy Boys book. I they were already decades out of date, and for some reason, that was the thing I latched onto. Anyway, you? Oh, I read the absolute
1: fuck out of Goosebumps. I. Yeah. Uh, I definitely read, I, I want to say the first at least 30 or 40 of them. Now, Wow. Well, my mom is a teacher, mm-hmm. and so she would get those, like, scholastic book order things all the time. And anytime that came in, she'd be like, oh, do you want me to get you anything? And I was like, look, there's only three things I want you to get me. One, books about ghosts. Two, <laughs> Obviously. Garfield comics. Three Goosebumps.
0: And if the, if the first and the third happened to match, or in that one weird run in the 80s, if the first and the second happened to match.
1: <laughs> yeah, books about Garfield's ghost, really good.
0: <laughs> you know, it's funny, I, didn't, I never really got into Goosebumps, but I did live, when I was growing up, there were like 80 copies of Goosebumps books in my room. Because my brother read the whole series, and we shared a room at the time. Uh, and I've never heard him talk about it since, so I have to assume that uh it didn't it didn't stick nowadays. He is uh incredibly into star wars that's that's kind of his jam, so apparently he took all the stuff that I had left in the house when I moved out and just realized how much better it was
1: <laughs> no, it was just as you began to morph into me, he began to morph into you
0: oh, don't let him hear you say that that would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, yeah, he, he has been the source of a lot of Star Star Wars stuff that's in my house now. He's been a big help with that. Um, so, no, I mean, I, I'm glad to hear you read Goosebumps. I didn't, but even without having read it, really, I can recognize the form, and eaten alive here is Star Wars Goosebumps.
1: Yeah, although I gotta say, maybe I'm looking back at the old Goosebumps books with some rose-tinted glasses I'm re- reading this. I was like, man, this feels like an even more dumbed down version of that.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm going is... to
1: say R.L. Stein, he never talked down to me.
0: I I maybe I don't know. I never read a single one. Uh, but, you know, I get the basic concept of children's horror. The The thing is, you have to kind of write at that children's level where everything has to be squarely explained. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this case, yeah, it feels like a little every... I'll just say, in this book, everything feels way too on the nose.
1: Yeah, I mean, I understand that there's going to be a level of, like, for kids, you either are like, oh, they're not really going to get this until, you know, it gets explained and that's great, or you make it dumb enough that's like, ah, now you feel clever because you got a reference thing in this book, but man, this is just like... Guys, come on.
0: Can we talk a little bit real quick about this book's actual packaging as well? Because this fucker's got a sweet holographic lenticular style two image cover.
1: Oh, hell yeah. This is definitely a limited edition, (laughs) like, from the, I want to say, early 90s when this shit was all the rage, You had, like, Spider-Man comics that would come out with this, and on the front would say, like, collector's edition. Even though there was no other edition of that issue, they just wanted people to get it.
0: Yeah, I didn't see any other versions of this for sale anywhere, Uh, and for a book that's as small as it is, it is more expensive than a lot of the other books we've read, so that that, uh, doesn't surprise me that they are actually limited collector's editions, but... So it says so right on the cover, limited collector's edition, right underneath a hologram that honestly kind of spoils the book.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, the title, Eaten Alive, and a few choices in this book's naming conventions are like, oh, yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. it's chapter three, and I get it.
0: I mean, how, how young do you think he had to be to not just get it?
1: I don't know, man. I, I honestly, I felt embarrassed that it took me a chapter because I was pronouncing things all, like, goofity in my head before I looked at it and went, oh, oh, You're yeah, being okay. very
0: charitable. Okay. Yeah. I, I was I, like, I
1: ooh, do- okay. I'll, I'll pronounce this in a fun way. And then I looked at it and went, oh, no. Oh, oh okay.
0: None of this is, is new to me because... We've been doing the special edition for year, or not special edition, our bonus content for the show for years and years now. And uh, the thing is, almost everything in this book is so, like, just haltingly stupid that any time that we don't have anything regular to talk about, we could just look up shit from this part of the galaxy. And it's always a charmingly dumb. So everything in this book we've spoiled already by just doing lists of weird planets or dumb mm, aliens. Mm, mm. Just yeah. Just about everything. <laughs> So anyway, we open chapter well we open with a, a prologue technically, but I actually read the prologue during the wrap up because it the prologue is also the uh content printed on the back of the book.
1: I mean it's a little longer than that, but
0: Oh, you're right, you're right. No, I think I actually oh, that's weird. I could have sworn I read the exact content of the prologue when we did the backup.
1: No, man, we uh we definitely did not talk about this. I mean, I think most of the prologue stuff got talked about maybe at some point in a bonus content thing. But uh, no, no.
0: That's strange. I could have sworn we read this stuff because when I was reading it, you know, I- I've read this the first four chapters of this book twice now, just so I would be sharp today. Uh, and I could have sworn that that section we'd already done. It doesn't matter, though. Uh, basically, Vader goes into a science building and threatens a scientist who is promising him the ultimate power.
1: Yeah, which is, you know, at least that's very Star Wars. Darth Vader's like, I want something super powerful that's a deadly weapon. And some scientist is like, yes, definitely, I will deliver on that. Little does he know.
0: Yeah, it's clear the scientist has like evil secondary intentions, and he's almost definitely doing something kind of Frankenstein-y.
1: It's always weird to me, though, that in these books, whether it's, you know, a dumpy ass scientist in the galaxy of fear, or you know, Shizor himself. Everyone always wants to bump off Vader and be the number two to the Emperor, rather than aspiring to the throne and bumping off the Emperor.
0: I, I assume everyone thought the Emperor was like hard mode or something. Also, I'm pretty sure Shizor had plans to get rid of the Emperor, but Vader was in the way, and he was just climbing up the ladder. But but overall, you are right. Everyone seems to want to take a swing at at, at Vader.
1: Yeah, everyone's like, ooh, I'm going to go for that guy, not the Emperor, because he's got, like, guards and stuff.
0: Well, maybe, I mean, honestly, Vader's got guards and stuff. Vader's got a whole fleet to his credit, but but maybe it's actually that Shizor and this random evil scientist are more or less space Republicans, so they don't really want to bump off the Emperor, because the Emperor is doing what they want. (laughs) They just... (laughs) Why take the king slot when you can add the VP slot and replace the king when he dies of natural causes, which, let's face it, the emperor is a skeleton. Yeah. You, you just got to, all you got to do is be surprising every time you meet him in staff meetings and stuff going forward. And eventually, you'll heart attack him. Ha! Ah! <laughs> hey, hey, emperor, you want to try some of these bagels? <laughs> just, emperor, you, you want to see gonna... my new chainsaw and hockey mask? <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, I I have a sinking suspicion that the prologue has nothing to do with this book.
1: No, it definitely uh, does. It definitely
0: does. <laughs> oh, well, that's good to know. I was worried that it was going to be part of the... Because there's seven of these books, I think, in the Galaxy of Fear series. So I was pretty concerned that it was going to be that Vader starts popping up more regularly later, and they have to go through a couple of introductory qu- quests first.
1: No. Because, I mean, if this is anything like the Goosebumps, then they're all going to be little self-contained dumb nonsense things. But also, I'm pretty sure he's working on, you know, the aliens that we meet on this
0: planet. Uh, I guess I could see that being the case. Uh, Ultimately, I'm pretty sure all seven of these books are about Zack and Tash, which I think is a departure from the way Goosebumps worked. Yes. Goosebumps had recurring characters, but not all the time, right? No,
1: you'd get the occasional sequel to a story... Yeah, uh, and then maybe an allusion to a story in a different book, but never really like let's follow the same protagonists.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I know I know there were at least two different books about a cursed marionette doll or whatever. That... Oh,
1: there were more than that.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I said at least. I'm, I'm I'm leaving my options open. I'm not a do- I'm not a goosebumps expert. Yeah,
1: we had a couple monster bloods. We had some haunted masks. Mm-hmm. Uh, some. Some marionettes. My favorite Goosebumps book, by the way, for anyone who was sitting there dying needing to know this, was Say Cheese and Die.
0: (laughs) Okay, so an evil camera book, or are they going to go left on me and make an evil cheese book?
1: No, it was an evil camera.
0: Oh, now I'm a little disappointed. I was kind of hoping with a name like that they'd put a camera on the cover, and then the whole thing would just be a dodge, and it'd be about an evil cheese.
1: Yeah, and if you say cheese... Then it kills you.
0: (laughs) I am a queso.
1: (laughs) If you say cheese, you
0: die. (laughs) Well, now I want to write a Goosebumps book. Well. (laughs) So we actually go into chapter one uh, in the middle of a dogfight, a space dogfight between an X-Wing and a TIE fighter. And it's written... It, it's the definition of that time where Zap Branigan was like, "Let's take an extra U turn around Jupiter and try to get some kind of boost or something." Huh. Because basically, the X wing and the Tie fighter are fighting. We get established gender pronouns for who's flying each one. the The woman piloting the Tie fighter has known the man piloting the X wing for a long time, and they are both wary and wily foes. Yeah. But then, then the the the, the X wing uses a moon and flies all the way around it as part of his dogfighting strategy.
1: He's like, ooh, this'll help. I'm going to slingshot around this entire goddamned moon.
0: I was like, that doesn't... Is that... is that moon like 50 feet across?
1: Well, I mean... And if so... The nice thing is, when he does the maneuver, the TIE fighter is just sitting there pointed towards where he's going to come and shoots. Like, yeah, yeah my dude, obviously.
0: Yeah, that was, uh, you know, we were in the middle of a dogfight, and you took an eight-hour around a moon break. I don't know what you thought was going to happen. <laughs> we're going so fast! <laughs> it's like, if the moon is small enough that dogfighting, whipping around it is can still be part of the dogfight, then it's not going to give you any kind of gravitational boost. But you know what? Who gives a shit, right? Huh. Instead, as the uh, as the Tie Fighter co- or the X Wing comes burning off the moon and back towards the Tie Fighter, it is caught up in a hail of bullets, all of which miss.
1: Yeah. Now, and I want it- to say at least that the beginning of this is written to, you know, make you feel like, oh, these are like actual X Wing Tie Fighter pilots, like this is a real thing. But yeah, as you were about to say, when this. Uh, final whip around the moon happens. Oh, we pull back and it's, uh, it's a Vigimo game.
0: Yeah, uh, it's interrupted by a giant robo hand descending from space. And then it turns out that, no, we've just been watching a miniature fight and a droid is here interrupting it.
1: God bless him for actually using the hollow table for anything but Dajaric.
0: That is true. It is it is bizarre that they're using it for anything other than complaining about soup that tastes like boot leather or playing that hollow monster chess. Yeah. I was
1: like, "Oh neat. Uh, Someone decided, oh, there's a hollow entertainment table. Well, obviously there's going to be video games for kids."
0: I am kind of curious as to what video game they're playing exactly. Like uh,
1: X-Wing versus it- Tie Fighter? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing is that they they set it up such that you can fly the X-Wing or the TIE fighter, and that's it. There's no symmetrical combat. It's always asymmetrical. And uh, the the boy who, who didn't really win the dogfight but didn't lose either, Zack, is like, heck yeah, you didn't hit me even once. And the girl's like, but I'm a way better pilot than you, and these things are rigged in favor of the Empire. I don't understand how you keep winning.
1: Yeah, you've got to be cheating. And, I mean, at least that makes... Some sense if you were like, yeah, this is a video game put out by the Empire to be like, here's Imperial like propaganda that is like, oh, yeah, this one TIE fighter versus one X-Wing, the TIE fighter will win. Like, that's not likely, but okay, sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, she hates flying the TIE fighter because as we learn right away, these are Alderanian children. And their parents died when the when uh, the Death Star fired on Alderaan.
1: Yes, indeed, they were off. I don't know at camp some other planet, and then mm-hmm. their planet blew up, and now they are orphans, and they are being taken care of by their Uncle Hool.
0: Good old Uncle Hool, uh, whose first name is a mystery at this point in the book.
1: Oh, secret! It's Gah. It's Gahool. <laughs>
0: I actually do know what it is. Cause we did us bonus content on him at least once.
1: Oh yeah. I know.
0: Yeah. Uh, but anyway, their names are Zach and Tash Aranda, and they are a couple of Alderanian orphans, uh, who are 12 and 13 years old respectively. And, uh, just like we do with Jana Jason and Jaina, we immediately start establishing that one of them does machines and the other one has a different thing. <laughs> Indeed. So Zach, Zach is the 12 year old. He's rebellious and he appreciates machinery and learning about how things work, plus he really misses skimboarding.
1: Yes, whereas Tash is super into learning about the Jedi Knights because she was skimming the hollow net at one point and found some Jedi information that was encrypted in the dark net.
0: Yeah, and was written by someone who only went by the name Force Flow. (laughs) <laughs> and his and his beats were sick.
1: Force flow. Ask your doctor if force flow is right for you. If you've no, got trouble isn't. going to the bathroom, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm a doctor, and force flow isn't right for anyone. Don't use it; it's bad. You, just wait for the pee to come out. Quit trying to force it. You're going to give yourself a hernia. Ah. Uh, okay, so <laughs> and the so yeah, the she's, robot she's bit Jedi is. is oh, God, uh, I love this guy. Is Dv. DV. D- D.V. is effectively an anthropology C-3PO.
1: Yeah, uh, and he's like a grumpy C-3PO as well, whereas C-3PO would be like sassy about how he was upset with something. D.V. is just like, well, this is garbage. I'm way better than this.
0: Yeah, D.V. is effectively half C-3PO, half Marvin, uh, the paranoid android, with... Uh, I. But they really try to use C-3PO-style language for the character. Effectively, he is another uh, humanoid, no-moving face, kind of tottering around type golden droid. So he's effectively just a C-3PO. But they have to say that he doesn't speak six million languages. Instead, he can absorb 10,000 details about a culture per second.
1: Yeah, he is supposed to have an ultra-advanced supercomputer brain that is... Uh specifically for helping Hool the Anthropologist, which I'd just like to say anthropologist feels like a misnomer here, since that's about uh, humans.
0: Yeah, I mean it is studying things that are anthropomorphic or in Anthropocentric. The shape of, of people. Yeah. Um well, I mean, those are both words. So let's not let's not throw around that anthropomorphic isn't a word. Yeah, I didn't um, say
1: it wasn't a word. It's the wrong <laughs> word though. <laughs>
0: Uh, anyway, yeah, you're right. He, he should, there should probably be another word for, I don't know, what, what do you want to call it? Sentient uh, po- uh, apology.
1: I I mean, he could be a xenopologist.
0: I don't know. That would suggest that he couldn't study the Shido though, because he is a Shido.
1: Maybe. I mean, why would so he study it, himself? There's probably a sheet apologist, just like there's <laughs> an anthropologist.
0: I will not apologize for the Shido. <laughs>
1: never apologize for the shido. <laughs> uh
0: So yeah, anyway, DV, DV here is interrupting their little game because it's time for homework. They have to do some biology lessons, and we get a, a real strong Marvin vibe out of him from him. He's just like, oh, here I am, brain of a supercomputer, and I have to teach biology lessons to children. Fan-fucking-tastic. Yeah. A lot of cursing in this book, by the way.
1: <laughs> so much. Man, you'd really think they'd tone it down for Galaxy of Fear, but no.
0: I'm amazed that this is the guy who got the go-ahead.
1: <laughs> they were like, look, what are you writing? That's great. How about you throw in some swears so the kids know we're cool?
0: <laughs> it'd be neat if he did, like, but he didn't actually put them in there. Instead, it'd be things like, Zack d- Zach said a cool swear. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of thing they would do.
0: All the parents were aghast when Zach said his cool swears. But I uh, so didn't anyway, say fudge. <laughs> anyway, it's time for your... goddamn it, now I'm thinking about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Where all the curses were like, flibbin' fleebin, crib blabble. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, anyway... It's time for biology class, and we are going to learn about the most unusual animal relationship in the galaxy, how rancors let little birds clean their teeth.
1: Yep, and both of the kids immediately check the
0: fuck out. Yeah, they're just gone. I found it kind of interesting to think that the uh, mouth cleaner, uh, semi-parasitism or mutualism relationship is viewed as one of the more unusual ones in the galaxy when there's like 15 examples of that on Earth.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that he was mostly getting at, it's weird for rancors because they will murder everything.
0: I guess, yeah. I mean, because the thing is, you can look at cleaner wrasse who like go into sharks' mouths and do the same thing, and you think, okay, that is crazy because sharks are just remorseless fish-eating machines. Why would they let a fish in their mouth and not eat the fish? Well, because mutualism. So, But the examples of that exact behavior are not just common but constant across the predator spectrum on on earth so you know i I think it's just that you know books aimed at 12 year olds that's all
1: yeah and again i think it's one of those things where they're like oh you know i've heard of those birds that do that with crocodiles ah i feel smart i know about zoology
0: (laughs) i guess that's true i was kind of hoping for something like truly outlandish you know like jen and the holograms This kind of bird flies at a Rancor and blows itself the fuck up.
1: (laughs) This This kind of bird just dives directly into a Rancor's mouth and demands to be eaten.
0: We haven't figured out what the point of it is yet. It appears to be trying to fertilize the ground with itself made into poop.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a bird Uh, with seeds inside of it.
0: But yeah, no, they both just check out immediately. Zach's just sitting there thinking about skimboarding and Tash is reading a, a the, the Force flow shit under the table again, because she is super into the Jedi Knights. And not only that, but sometimes she's a Jedi, because she gets all them, like, uh, visions, and she can tell when distant events happen, and she's always finishing other people's sentences.
1: Yeah, but the book isn't like, oh, she's got the Force. She has to be like, oh, boy, I sure wish I could be a Jedi. It's a shame I'm not. Anyway, I'm also psychic. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, she has psychic powers. The, the book goes ahead and lets you know that she could tell the day that her parents died because she could feel the big cry of all the Alderanians dying off.
1: She was like, oh, uh, there was some horrible f- feeling that I had, and I just knew. And
0: I never I had friends
1: back home because everyone was <laughs> like, why do you keep finishing my sentences?
0: <laughs> I found it interesting that they gave her the ability to sense the Alderon disaster, uh the only other Jedi who was known to get to notice that was Obi-Wan who was in the same spaceship as Luke who did not notice.
1: Well, Luke had no training or connection to Alderaan as well.
0: So that, you're talking you about that's, someone that's with a, a
1: connection to Alderaan and someone with a lot of training.
0: Yeah, no that does that does add up. Uh okay, so the two of them just completely ignore the lesson uh at a certain point She's uh, musing to herself about how the Jedi are now extinct, says the grumpy asshole droid, because he is talking about some kind of crappy blue who gives a shit birds.
1: Yeah. And now they're going to go their separate ways because lesson's over and Zach wants to know what's going on with old Uncle Hool.
0: Yeah, he's got curiosity about his uncle that he's been living with for the past couple of months. He's like, this guy doesn't even like us. If he liked us, he'd tell us his name. Why did he take us in? He's a grumpy old piece of shit and we're clearly a burden on his work. And, you know, Tash has to be like, well, he's a shido and shido think that anyone there anyone who like is connected to them via marriage counts as close family. So he he did it out of obligation.
1: Yeah, and that's, you know, that's fine. And even when they were like, he hasn't told us his name. I'm like, man, the if he was like, my name's Uncle Hool, how often do you think he would sit down and go, hey, actually, my name's Scott? If you, <laughs> like, no, he would just go, I'm Uncle Hool, and that would be it. He probably wouldn't even think to be like, oh, I should probably tell him my first name or something.
0: Yeah, I guess that's fair. It'd be interesting if they knew for sure, because I, mean, I don't know about you, John, but all of my uncles, I knew by their first name. Indeed. It was always... It was always Uncle Andy and, and Uncle John and so on. Never never Uncle Aldrich. That that would have been confusing because they all had the same friggin' last names. Indeed. Uh, so, I, I, to me, it's surprising that they don't think that Hool is just this dude's first name.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's Maybe it's what I they... was sort of thinking when they were talking about Uncle Hool. I was like, oh, it's Hool something.
0: Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I assume that the reason they know it's not his first name is because of DV, who's probably like, don't go bother. Master Anthropologist Hool. just Hool, or whatever I'm calling him. Yeah, exactly. Although, Master Luke is the common... You know what? I'm not going to dig into this bag <laughs> of worms anymore.
1: Uh. So, yeah. Tosh goes off to go sit in the cockpit and pretend fly a starship.
0: And yeah, which, by the way, the starship they're in is called the Light Runner. Yep.
1: And Zach um, goes off to... Go see if he can snoop around Uncle Hools to see if he can find, like, I guess, a letter with his name on it.
0: He just wants to find, like, a a power bill or something. Just something with proof of residency. That's all all he needs. Yeah. Uh, Social security card, maybe a passport.
1: But then when he opens the door, a snarling, hairy beast with claws and fangs jumps upon him. What will become of him?
0: Yeah, so this book does the same thing that the last book we read does, which is uh, climaxes on every chapter.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's your standard goosebump. Cliffhangers.
0: Yeah, cliffhangers on every chapter. So he gets attacked by a slavering beast, and then the next chapter starts, and it's just Uncle Hool, Shido, or Shape Changers.
1: Yay! And he's like, oh man, what are you doing here? I I was changing shapes and looking like some animal that we found in the last planet we went to because it helps me keep my shape-shifting skills limber
0: what are you doing here i spend six hours out of every 24 liquid form in a bucket you know that
1: <laughs> uh yeah well, apparently they assumed he was going to be in the library doing research because that's what he normally does but oh mm-hmm. no he was here and you know to zach's credit he doesn't let you know definitely pissing his pants Stop him from then continuing questioning uh Uncle Hool.
0: Yeah, yeah. And he's like, Wouldn't that weird when you dated Loxana for like two episodes? Uh, I'm not remember? that stop Stop I'm not that guy. Stop it. <laughs> it says Uncle Hool, who was definitely played by Renee Abergenois anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh uh anyway you know, he's he's like, What what are you doing? Where are we going? Blah blah blah. And and uh Uncle Hool is a fascinating asshole because he's just like have you ever heard of the planet Devourin?" Uh, no well then what the fuck are you bothering me for get out of here you little shit
1: he's like well I want to know about what's happening well here take this data pad and read why we're going there but only read that
0: yeah stay to the right
1: you know if someone hands me their phone and they're like here's a picture do not look at anything else I was like man I wasn't going to but now I kind of need to
0: Remind me not to ever hand you my phone.
1: Yeah, well, don't hand me your phone and give me a warning that anything else on there would be incriminating evidence.
0: John, 99% of my phone is porn. That is not a warning. It's just a direct statement of fact.
1: (laughs) See, at that point, I'd be like, great. If you had said, here, look at this picture. If you swipe at all, it's just going to be porn. I'd be like, oh, okay. And then I wouldn't swipe because I don't care.
0: I know. I am lying, of course. But 99% of my phone is pictures of Sage now. (laughs) Aww. Because, you know, every time I take a picture of her, she moves. So I have a thousand million blurry pictures of her and then like five good ones.
1: Oh, yeah. You've definitely got the makings of a, like, crypto zoology.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm this close to proving she's real.
1: Yeah. Soon, you're going to finally capture the elusive sage.
0: I have photographs of her tracks.
1: <laughs> I have found leavings that I believe to be sages.
0: I find them three to four times a day. <laughs> uh. However, my my, my findings remain inconclusive. Mm-hmm. Well, he reads this little chapter on Devourin, and we might as well get started right there. Uh, Devourin is a planet just like any other. It's got nice big oceans and a breathable atmosphere and people on it and animals and blah, blah, blah. What's weird about it, though, is that it is near right by a major hyperspace lane uh, and no one noticed it until like five years ago.
1: Yeah, it just sort of showed up on people's radar as far as like, oh, normally no one really thought that anything was there, but like one dude got too close and then got sucked into the planet. So that's when everyone found out it was there. Also, just so you know. Devouran is D-apostrophe-V-O-U-R-A-N. Now, when I was reading this, I first looked at that and went, oh, Devouran.
0: Yeah, you were being charitable. You saw it in probably Devouran or something like that, or Devouran or whatever. And not the obvious, this is a planet that eats people, as per the title of the book, Eaten Alive, Devouran.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, it took me one chapter of calling it Devouran in my head before I went and looked at it. Stopped and went. Oh God, devourin'. Oh fuck
0: you, book. <laughs> the D stands for deathbed, the bed that eats people. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, it's not subtle.
1: No, but that's fine. But,
0: but basically, Hul wants to go study this planet because he finds it fascinating that it, it uh didn't show up in anyone's history or notes for millennia, even though it was like right, obviously there. And he finds that fascinating and he wants to study the people that live there and how they've, they've, he is, already notes that they don't really have a spacefaring culture, even though they theoretically could.
1: Yeah. And, uh, that's when Zach's like, yo, I wonder what the fuck else is on this. Yo, you got games?
0: Yeah. So he just, you know, swipes left or whatever and tries to get to other shit on the data pad. And he only has time to real, read the words Imperial request and payment before who's like give me that you dumb little crap didn't i tell you not to
1: look at anything else on here
0: <laughs> i've got just Man, if pages and
1: pages of pictures of my balls
0: <laughs> in the form of various other balls
1: yeah no i like to document various animals balls but it's just me
0: <laughs> well one of the things about my shapeshifting ability is there's always balls somewhere <laughs> it's a fun game Find the balls. (laughs) This is why we don't play games with you, Uncle. Oh, I know. (laughs) I know. Now pull my balls. (laughs) Uh, It makes me fart.
1: But uh, there's not enough time for Zach to truly be admonished by Uncle Hool because the ship begins to shudder and alarms go off.
0: Oh, no. What's going on in the cockpit, says Hool. But, you know, it. There's a, it's, it's time for another cliffhanger. Meanwhile, Tash had gone to the cockpit where she was going to pretend to fly the the ship to practice her flying the ship abilities. She made extra sure to, uh, to check and double check and triple check that she was not actually flying the ship, that the whole thing was set to automatic. And then she was just going to take the unused controls and pretend to fly the ship.
1: Yeah. Which, okay, sure. I guess. But, you know, they come running in there and... Tasha's immediately like, I didn't do anything. I didn't touch anything. I wasn't supposed to. It just went nuts.
0: Yeah. Uh, she had been pretending to blow up the Death Star because that's the way that she tends to. Uh, there's a lot of stuff about her dealing with trauma in this opening chapter where she's like, I saw that battle station and the and the TIE fighters that were in front of it. And I was going to pretend to fly around it and so on. And. God, I wish I could just be all alone and and wallow in my sorrow, but I can't because of Zach.
1: But I mean, it's not like, fuck you, Zach. It's more, I've got to be the older sibling and be strong for Zach.
0: No, it's true. Yeah. And she's actually come around to it at this point. We've already kind of went through the darkness in her uh, trauma development. Uh, She's now, she really likes Zach. She doesn't mind hanging around with him all the time. And everything's, everything's okay for the most part. But she isn't quite perfect. And she always had trouble fitting in with the other kids back at home. But we talked about that already.
1: Yeah. So when Hul gets there, he's like, "Ah, this is weird because I set the ship to come out of hyperspace like 15 minutes before we got to the planet. But we are like in the planet's gravity well, and it pulled us out of hyperspace. Oh, what's going on? It's what almost like do? the planet moved.
0: <laughs> Planets don't move. That's stupid. Indeed. Oh, no, wait. They move all the time. They're constantly moving and rotating and moving around a central fixed orbital point. Uh, you know, but, you know, that stuff was all factored in. What's weird is that the planet seems to have moved out of orbit. Yeah. It's, That's it's... the thing that doesn't get mentioned in this chapter or so far, which is, is this planet orbiting something?
1: Yeah, anytime some sci fi people are like, ooh, there's a planet and no one knows what's going on with it and it just appeared somewhere, I'm like, you know what? It should probably have a sun somewhere as well.
0: I mean, we dealt with that back in uh what was that, Crystal Star when when I mean that planet had its own micro sun, uh that Ferrario's battle planet or whatever it was. And Ultimately they buried the lead by being like look at this neat little fake planet. And I was like fuck you, who gives a shit? You made a tiny sun. That's way more interesting.
1: <laughs> you made a tiny sun that was completely cohesive and mm-hmm. would essentially orbit a planet. That's a uh... wowzers. Okay.
0: Yeah, and it heated the planet. It did everything. It did the light and the heat and the day and night cycle and the radiation that the sun's supposed to do. And it was hyperspace capable, was the sun.
1: Yeah, you uh, you really stabilized a thing that probably shouldn't exist, and no one's talking about it, but that's fine.
0: Yeah, no, they, they seem to always bury the lead on interesting stars <laughs> in these books about some kind of planet wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so anyway... Apparently this one's 15 minutes away from where it's supposed to be, though. Devouring is almost as if it came up to meet them. Like it intercepted them. Like it was going to devour them. them. But
1: thanks to Hool's fancy flying, they managed to just about stabilize and get to the spaceport uh, right as the engines give out.
0: Yes, and it's a super bumpy, di- nasty, dangerous landing where they they almost die a bunch of times in different ways because of all of the turbulence and the atmospheric problems and the uh, not having a lot of time to enter via the right entry vectors and so on.
1: Yeah, they were all messed up. They were coming in too hot. They've got all sorts of nonsense going on. So the ship almost tears itself apart.
0: Mm-hmm. And then they manage to touch down. But just as they do, the engines fail and sputter out. And Hul's like, ah, jeez, I guess I better go take a look at the engines. And that's when Zack pipes up and says, I love engines. That's my thing, because I'm a kid and kids have things.
1: (laughs) That's my one thing. I want to look at an ion engine. I've never seen the inside of one of those before.
0: Yeah, and meanwhile, Tash is like, ugh, gag me with a barf. I do not want to look at any engine ever.
1: Yeah, that's not my thing.
0: So... She's like, she's like, I'll just sit in the cockpit and think about Jedis, because that's the only thing I have. Jedis and magnificent horses. Black horses <laughs> with manes that flow in the wind.
1: Wild horses. Horses that won't be tied down or told what to do.
0: <laughs> exactly. Horses that like the same music I like, and I have to brush their coats.
1: Uh, uh, horses that will come and save me from this entire weird world. Horses that... Fly an X-Wing, I'm pretty sure.
0: <laughs> yes, some sort of ho-hash equus. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, the, the two of them, uh, Hool and Zach, go wandering off to go work on the ion engine. Uh, Tash sits around daydreaming about Horse Jedi for a while, and then she's like, I wonder where everyone is, I should go investigate, and so she still She uh, wanders through the ship, calling people's names to no response at all. And then she steps onto the deboarding ramp to walk outside the ship and is looking around and calling, but she doesn't see anybody.
1: Yeah, no, she's like, this is weird, because normally when you get to a spaceport, it's bustling with people loading and unloading things. There are all sorts of like spacers and pilots and, you know people that are getting on and off ships uh there are people that work there whatever she's like there is nobody here this is just dead
0: and then something cold and creepy and slimy falls on her deck.
1: Ah, it's flowers
0: the yeah, next chapter is just to...
1: like someone put a lay on you get it together
0: the, yeah literally it's just flowers but they have to do the cliffhanger thing so a cold slimy thing drops on her deck. oh I, but how did she not see the guy handing lays out? Yeah,
1: he's just standing there. at the ramp and puts a fucking lay on her, and she's just like, "Oh, it's soft and squishy." And he's like, <laughs> and even, uh, "Also,
0: uh, what?" <laughs> also, also, Zach and Hool are just standing there too. It's, she must have just been deep in her horse reverie because she didn't see these people, any of these people, at all.
1: Yeah, like fucking. Uh, Zach and DV step around the side of the ship and are like, What is wrong with you? Uh,
0: meanwhile, we get to meet, uh, Chewed the Enzine. He's the guy who's ha- putting a layer around her neck. And he's like, <laughs> uh,
1: uh, Do you get it? Chewed? Huh?
0: Yeah, you see? He's Chewed and he's an Enzine. Kind of like an enzyme a little. Uh-huh.
1: uh Chewed? Devourin'? Eh? Uh, you getting what I'm putting <laughs> down here?
0: Welcome to Gustatorio Station.
1: <laughs> Welcome to i am to you
0: Oh, I appreciate your ship. It's a spicy meat of all.
1: <laughs> uh, your family looks delicious enough to eat for dinner tonight.
0: <laughs> oh, I have just finished reading a book about how to serve humans.
1: Except that's just the fucking thing that they have for this planet is they're like, Oh, we live to serve wink.
0: I know. The motto of the planet is we live to serve with ketchup. Uh, it's so on the nose. It's adorable.
1: It's great. I loved it. I was like, oh my god, really? Alright, <laughs> well sure.
0: Yeah, uh so chewed the enzyme is like, hey, no worries. Here, have another flower necklace. Here, in fact, little man, take two. <laughs> Here, have
1: another Uh, necklace. It's mostly mayonnaise and some paprika.
0: (laughs) Really work it into you if you wouldn't mind.
1: (laughs) I've got a dry rub that'll help with the weather here. Yes.
0: (laughs) Put this apple in your mouth. There we go.
1: (laughs) Fabulous.
0: So, Chute is the ambassador of the Enzine people of the planet Devourin. Uh, He is... He goes. He's very friendly. The whole species of Enzine are lumpy blue potato people who have needles for hair and uh, huge smiles—big, big, probably unhinge their jaw to eat your head type smiles.
1: Yeah, everyone's always smiling. They're so happy to see these wonderful visitors to their friendly mm-hmm. planet.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you wouldn't mind come along because we've got some interesting victuals, I mean rituals you might like to see. <laughs> uh but no, he's like he gives them the rundown of what the planet's like. He's like, "Hey, it's a paradise planet. Everyone here has a good time all the time and we really want more people to come and live here with us. We aren't travelers ourselves. We don't like to leave the planet. So we need people to come to us so they can tell us all about the galaxy and so on." Yeah. That means we can't help fix your starship though because we don't know nothing about nothing.
1: Yeah, we, uh, you know, we're we're very few of us, so we would love to have more people here, because we love having more people around. The more the merrier, you might say. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, what we like is family-style amounts of nuggets.
1: (laughs) Uh, yeah. Just keeps going on about, like, oh, but what happens if, you know, too many people show up? Oh, don't worry, there's no such thing as too many people showing up.
0: Uh, yeah, so he's like, hey, but I can help you find someone who can help you fix your ship, because there are a lot of off-worlders, they mostly tend to congregate right here in this one little village of, uh, you know, food storage, we call it, that's the name of this town, (laughs) and, uh, if you come with me, we can go to, we'll take you to the Don't Go In, our local tavern.
1: Ah, yes, the Don't Go In. Ah, fabulous. And...
0: uh, and as they're walking along towards the Don't Go In, we get more details about how the planet is paradise. And please, you guys should all move here and live here because that's what we want. That's what us Enzines are all about.
1: Yeah. And uh, of course, uh, Tash is like, I have a bad feeling about this planet. There's something wrong here. I feel like I'm being watched.
0: <laughs> and Zach's just Wait, like, like, shut your mouth. <laughs> you always have a bad feeling about everything. Jedi are the worst. God, I hate it. <laughs> But as they approach the don't go in. Uh, Hul and uh, Chude are having a quick conversation about how Hul wants to leave the city to go do a little anthropological research uh, outside of the bounds of the city. And if it would, if he wouldn't be a problem, is there some place where the kids could be put up in the meantime until he returns?
1: It's weird that he asks it like that and doesn't say hey is there a like a motel around here or no he
0: he's literally like hey can these kids crowd surf somewhere and i'm like dude what are you talking about they have private bedrooms they you came here in a mobile home
1: yeah they can just go back to the ship no no you see chute is like they can stay with me i've got a wonderful house and it's made of gingerbread
0: Exactly. He's like, I live in a simple hut, but I would be happy to welcome your children. And the two of them are like, "Uh, we'll just stay on the ship. I mean, duh. But instead, everyone's like, yay, we'll stay with this blue fat needle alien.
1: Yeah. And he's like, oh, and DV, you can watch after him, too. Oh, come on.
0: I mean, definitely, right? Because wouldn't you want your anthropology assimilation droid to come along with you on your anthropology fact-finding mission
1: Ooh, but maybe there's something that he's not telling us could he not really be an anthropologist
0: yeah it could be that every bit of the anthropology shit is fake and he's actually some kind of evil empire man
1: or some kind of good uh, rebel man
0: Yeah, he might be a freedom fighter of some kind. There's no way to know. No
1: one knows.
0: Anyway, we actually do go into the Don't Go In.
1: I mean, first,
0: someone gets thrown
1: out of the Don't Go In.
0: An old-timey cowboy scuffle ensues.
1: Yeah, someone gets thrown out the, what I assume are swinging doors of the Don't Go In, and Mm -hmm. the sad crazy old man that everyone's like get out of here with your stories is named bebo which i assume (laughs) he was named for his prominent belly button
0: Oh, almost definitely for his belly button or for his big blue furry teddy bear looks uh but no bebo is a human who's been thrown out on his ear of this this place because he keeps saying wild and crazy things and no one in town will listen to him, he says as he lies there looking all ragged and shitty. And Tash is like, Hey, I'll listen to you.
1: No, I can't have you listen to me. I need to go find Loney. Lonnie'll tell him Oh goodness, I gotta go find my horse. I've got Stay- prospecting to do.
0: Stay away from my claim now. <laughs> Oh, uh, I've gone mad from eating too many seabird eggs. I tells you
1: they're trying to eat us. <laughs> uh,
0: Yeah, we get a quick conversation between Hool and and uh, Chute about this, about how the planet does have its fair share of local ruffians. And most of them, unfortunately, are in the don't go in. But it's also the only place where you're going to find an engine repair expert.
1: Yes, because, you know, all of the rowdiest people are the pilots that showed up here. And, oh, but don't worry, there's all the free food you can eat inside. Please, fatten yourself up.
0: (laughs) Courtesy of the Enzine, all the food you can stand for. This is just bread cubes with rosemary and and celery. Yes, stuff yourself. (laughs) Please, have as much as you like. (laughs) Now, if you don't mind, we also have a ritual where you need to bathe in buttermilk twice a day.
1: (laughs) Now, if you could just... Stay in this brine bath for a bit.
0: (laughs) Uh, There is also a discussion about the first ship that discovered Devourin here. Uh, A cargo vessel that crashed onto the planet because they didn't expect it to be there. Uh, And there's a bunch of stuff about how there was only one survivor. The others may have survived the landing, but they didn't last long after that. It's almost like the jungle just swallowed them up. Uh, and there's unfortunately there's no mention about who that survivor is but you know it's probably bebo or lonnie
1: yeah probably but, they but do, now we go into yeah they do go in at least
0: to the don't go in yeah and you know it's a standard star wars cantina there's a bunch of gross looking aliens everywhere and everyone's playing sabacc and and leaning over their drinks that they grip in their gross sucker hands
1: yeah and i do at least you, like that Tash and Zach are like, oh, this is not like a cantina that we have gone to because we are children. So the cantinas we normally go to are like brightly lit and I don't know, probably have animatronic animals singing.
0: $16 hot dog for sale. And there's also definitely a bunch of crazy crap on the walls. Uh, but no, this is a standard one to the point where they're the, they call out the species of, of aliens you can see in there and include, include a Deveronian and a Shistovenin. So you're just like, oh, good. So we've got the, the Mos Eisley Cantina roundup happening in here.
1: I mean, mostly they're just like, oh, the ones we want to say are here are the devil, the werewolf, and the Wookiee. So I guess the Bigfoot. We're going to put <laughs> the ones that look like monsters in here.
0: You're really missing out on not having the uh the soup guy there, so you could throw a vampire into the mix.
1: Yeah, but he doesn't look like that.
0: And and also, would it have killed him to throw in a kit fisto?
1: One kit fisto, please.
0: Just just a kit fisto, or a mon calamari or a Quarren. Whatever you want to do for Water Guy. Hmm. Uh okay, so Yeah, they're they're looking around and they try and take a table and be quiet because boy, oh boy, is it ever rowdy in here. But just when they think they're getting settled in, all of a sudden Tash is picked up by the scruff and flung against a wall and a blaster is put on her head.
1: Someone booms, hoo, and then she has a blaster between her eyes.
0: And unfortunately, that's the last cliffhanger we have to tell you about because that's the end of chapter four. Yes, indeed. (laughs) This is great. I'm really glad that we decided to do a couple of kids books because they are so, (laughs) they're just, they're just out there. They're, they're just out there on their own doing what they do. It's so
1: delightful that they're like, I'm not going to try and hide anything. What are you kidding?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, there you go. That's, that's the first couple chapters of the exciting story of Zach and Tasha Randa. Uh, and (laughs) as I mentioned, the lenticular cover is definitely one of the Endine or Enzine people. Uh,
1: (laughs) yeah. You look at it and you're like, "Oh, I I didn't know what this was when I was just holding the book." But then you look at it and you're like, "Oh, it's someone with a giant smile and pointy needle hair." And then, depending on how you move it, he's either waving or oh, he's got a venom tongue and he's snarly and got claws.
0: Yeah, he goes from happy to "I'm gonna eat you." I'm gonna eat your
1: brains. (laughs) <laughs> die Spider Man die
0: Spider Man die, die Spider Man <laughs> Yeah, uh, our villains are chunky blue venoms. Yep, that's them. Mm-hmm, probably. I mean I'm pretty sure the pla- I don't remember how this all works, because Devourin is the Devourin the planet that eats people, so I don't I don't know if the enzyme are like part of it or part if they, of it. They're Maybe they eat you and then they go jump up the planet's like mouth hole or something? I don't know. <laughs>
1: they barf it into the planet, <laughs> baby bird style.
0: That might be it. I, I cannot say for certain, but we'll find out because we're going to keep reading this book for five full episodes.
1: Goodness.
0: That's what this is. We're doing more special edition type stuff where we're doing little micro seasons uh, while we wait for the ability to meet in person again and also... For used bookstores to, you know, kind of reopen so I can get more Star Wars books.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's tough trying to get some weird, crappy books.
0: But, you know, we have emergency reserves. There's more Han Solo stories. There's more... I, I have another zombie book in the Star Wars universe we could do. Yeah. So we... We have we have backup plans in case of emergency. Man,
1: there was an article that got suggested to me on my phone the other day where it was like, oh, how the Sith introduced zombies to the Star Wars universe. And I was like, fuck you. We did that <laughs> like two years ago. Get out of here, you hacks.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. Come back to me with something about, uh, I don't know, Mammon Hool or, oh shit. Whoops, I gave away the game. Oh, you fucked up. <laughs> Hey, John, did you know that people can send us money and we'll read them crap on the Internet?
1: Yeah, I did know that we can get sent money and occasionally we'll read something as well.
0: That's right. I mean, that's true. Also, people can just send us money. And a lot of times, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of surprised how often we get announcement masteries that are just, here's 50 bucks. I didn't even think about saying anything.
1: Well, you know, some people, they don't want to subscribe, but they want to help out. That's fine. I get it.
0: Yeah, totally makes sense to me. But this one, we do have one today, and it is indeed a message that they'd like us to read. Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and lead it off. As always, if you'd like to do an announcement mastery, you just go to our website, Uh, SystemMasteryPodcast.com. There's a button labeled Give Us Some Money, and then you just follow the instructions from there. It's very simple. And I'm going to begin. Here we go. Hello, Rin. Yes, you, the one I tricked into listening to this podcast. We've been through a lot over the nine years we've known each other, from when we first met at a children's theater rehearsals, and you said to yourself, I'd like to fuck someone. Damn it, it'll probably be him. Wait a minute, at children's th- I Is this like for other children, <laughs> gonna, or you are children? I'm going to go ahead and guess that that's theater for children. Having personally done theater for children myself, I understand the, the careful distinction where I was constantly banging people in the backstage, but then the audience was like 12-year-olds.
1: Yeah, so, okay, so it's rehearsals for children's theater, not a child's theater rehearsal.
0: That is correct. I mean, Good. it may be a little from column A. I don't know. <laughs> Continue. I shall. Uh, let's see. To when you moved away to college, and I, though I was real, thought I was real cool by saying I probably won't message you after you're gone and sent you a text two hours later. Oh, man, I know that feel. When our relationship ended and we were halfway across the country from each other... We still talked and refused to not be friends. Then, after six long and confusing years, you moved back home. And now, we're back together. We live together and are trying to build a life and rebuild a house together. I love the fact that you beat me at deck builders and I beat you at worker placement games. Oh, that's not fair. My constant life partner beats me at both of those. <laughs> Get wrecked. Even, <laughs> even though we prefer each prefer the other. Uh, That you can beat me by a 60% margin, but I still need to remind you that you're good at board games, which you factually are, and since I paid for two hosts of a gaming podcast to say it, it's official now.
1: Yep, guess the stamp.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you knew this or not, but we're also notary publics. (laughs) Yeah. You you can't pay us to read a lie. It's it's against the rules. Uh, Okay, I love that we are the only people capable of calling each other out on our shit. I love that we are the reason for each other to try harder and get more done and be responsible. Well, we can still be the reason that we will take a day on whole, <laughs> a whole day off to watch Clone Wars or play on our switches. I love that we both laugh at how much a giant piece of shit <laughs> old Sheevy Palps is. I can feel anger makes you stronger, gives you focus. Get in my hot tub, Anakin. <laughs> Well, I know that I can be lazy and not want to spend money on anything other than video and board games and role-playing games. I love that you understand and are sometimes just as irresponsible about them. I'm sure that I still haven't installed that curtain rod upstairs or picked that game of Charter Stone back up, but I'm asking you to please be as understanding and patient as you have been with all my bullshit over the years. Because when life and the future—sorry, uh, when life and the future—is scary and confusing, I know that it will be better because I will be there with you. Truly, no matter if it's running a game of kids on bikes, installing a dishwasher, or arguing about how much of Star Wars actually makes narrative sense, 0 there isn't... <laughs> oh, come on now, it's just Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> when you say Star Wars makes no sense, you're saying a bunch of old samurai movies make no sense, so uh, think yeah, about yeah. that.
1: Come at me. Come at me, samurai. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there is no one I would rather do it with than you. I know I already told you I wanted to marry you, and you told me I want a ring, because I'm a basic bitch. So I figured an official proposal would be a good idea as well. You also told me you needed it to be nerdy. So, since I am incapable of doing anything in a typical fashion, this is how I'm doing it on a podcast. Also, I don't think I could have gotten through this without crying a little, so I got someone else to do it for me.
1: That's entirely fair.
0: That's how I am with fucking.
1: (laughs) So I'd pay someone else to do it for me, because I'd probably cry.
0: Exactly. Uh, okay, so, Aaron Schwob, will you please marry me, so that we can continue playing games, have strange adventures in ghost houses, weird inside jokes, and aggravating conversations for the rest of our lives. And yes, you get the I know ring, because you haunted me the first time I said I love you. Thank you again for everything. Oh, Aww. Aww, we've been wanting one of those forever. Yay.
1: Yay. We did it.
0: <laughs> we did one of those. Now I got to pick a new thing for begging people to actually send us the 50 bucks to do. I have no idea.
1: Yeah. And you know, the great part about this is we have no idea what the response was to it. So, you know, there's that. Oh,
0: Absolutely no. I'm, I'm sure we'll know eventually what the response was. That, I mean that that news is going to come down the pipeline. This this message initiated in our Discord, so I know that we we have access to the to at least one of these happy folks. Oh, good. So let me go ahead and say a quick thank you to uh, DJ Ludwig, who did not want me to start the message with that because it would give away the surprise for purchasing an announcement mastery. And I, I you know, although I have no way of knowing what the answer is going to be, I do wish you both the best of luck. Oh, and so does John. All right, well, uh, I guess we have some bonus content we can tell you all about. You're goddamn right we do. So if you go to patreon.com slash system mastery and support us at the two buck level, the two American dollar level. I don't know what that translates to in your local currency. I'm not an expert. <laughs> but if you go there and support us, then you will unlock content where John and I go to Wikipedia. And we look up crazy things from the history of the stars, and we come back and we tell them to each other and to you.
1: Yes, indeed. Finally, we'll find out some random crap and say, hey, did you know the Star Wars is bad and dumb?
0: <laughs> uh, so you've got that to look forward to. Uh, We do that weekly, so every time we do an episode of Expounded Universe, we also do a bonus content for it. Uh, If you are at the $2 level, you're also unlocking the System Mastery bonus content anyway, so you're up to about six episodes of bonus shit. And there's a $5 level you can go to if you want another three. Mm -hmm. We keep busy. And we keep your ears full of fun content, so thank you so much for listening. Uh, Until such time as we come around again with more uh, Galaxy of Fear Eaten Alive, I've been Elan Boggiano,
1: and I just want to serve you on a platter uh, some potatoes. <laughs>